What's up? It's episode 67, Pain Points of Wealth, and the Fed is going to release its triple threat as they taper their bond buying, as they're going to start to unload their balance sheet and raise interest rates maybe four times this year. It looks like the world has changed. So what do you do now? We got the market going up. We got strategists telling you that we're going to get a big correction in the stock market. Are you going to get it? Well, we're going to unravel it for you. We're going to tell you exactly what we think about this year, what you should do with your portfolio. And on the tipping point today, we're going to give you some of our more common sense, practical philosophies you need to be applying to your financial plan right now. So let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Oh my God, you know, I woke up the other morning. Here we go, inflation. The highest it's been in 40 years. We got oil going through the roof. We've got a Jimmy Carter-like president in the White House. Oh my God, I thought it was 1982. The only thing that's different was you were only four back then, Rye. And Chris, you're only two. You had nothing to worry about. You didn't have any money. Well, the funny thing is, Bob, your hair was exactly the same in 1982. So some things, well, frankly, they don't change. So I guess that means our next president's going to be a Ronald Reagan type president, right, Dad? You know, history often rhymes. It doesn't always repeat. But, you know, that may be the case, Chris. But meanwhile, we've got to do something about this inflation. You know, we have wages are going to have to go up because prices are going up. Every time I drive down the street, people are posting signs. They need help. They're going to give you a $5,000 bonus. I just saw the Army is going to pay as much as 50000 in a bonus just to sign up for six years. Well, you know what? I was talking to one of my clients last week. And in addition to having a portfolio with us, he also has a portfolio of uh, commercial real estate rental properties. And one of his tenants owns a restaurant. And he was telling me that for the longest time, the last six months, he hadn't been passing those price increases onto the customer. But you know, again, now he's paying more for wages. He's paying more for his raw materials. And he's finally started to pass those increases onto people. So inflation is definitely real, guys. Yeah. And I think we've adjusted to it at this point, right? We've talked about inflation for months now. Now everybody is kind of resigned to the fact that things are going to cost more. And what we found is we have consumers right now, we've talked about this in past podcasts, that are able to deal with the fact that prices are higher because psychologically, it's like we've been primed for it. But what I think is interesting is, so some things have changed, right? The Fed now is more hawkish. They're going to start to look at to curb inflation by raising interest rates. But we're seeing the same strategists say the same thing this year they did last year. Get ready for this big 10, 15% correction in the stock market. And I know lots of people sitting in cash saying, I'm waiting for that big correction to put my money to work. And I'm going to say it again this year, guys, we're not going to get that correction. Markets are just going to continue to go higher because not everybody's in yet. So if you're sweating, sitting on the sidelines, I wouldn't be sitting in cash here waiting. Well, speaking of that, Rye, I actually spoke with a client of ours, a longtime client, and he was telling me once his portfolio reached a certain point, he said he wanted to go all to cash because when the market corrects, he wants to have that cash to add back into the market. You know, Chris, I've been hearing this all my career, right? I think if I get to a certain amount of money, if I get to $10 million, I'm done. I'm going to sit in cash and twiddle my thumbs or, you know what? I think I made enough. I think I made enough. I don't think I need to make any more money at this point. It's all called market timing. It doesn't work. No, it's a good point. And I think the fact that you know, if you look at the sentiment right now and you look at actual what investors are thinking, investors are still very, very pessimistic. You would think with the market at all time record highs. Literally, we had like no volatility in the market last year. We know that unemployment's coming down fast. People's wages are up. People have money to spend. Yet people are still very negative. They're just waiting for that next shoe to drop. 
And as the old saying goes, guys, bull markets climb a wall wary. And I think we're just going to continue to climb that wall wary this year. It's just going to be the same as last year. Everyone's going to keep thinking it's the end and the market's going to continue to ramp higher. Well, first of all, I think this year has already been different than last year, Rye. So I agree with most of your points, but I'll tell you what I disagree with is that we were warning everyone that with higher inflation would come a negative impact on long duration assets. So bond funds are dropping like a rock since the beginning of the year. NASDAQ stocks, right, too, especially disruptive technology stocks are down 40 to 60 percent. Cryptocurrency, you know, Chris Ryan's favorite investment to beat up on national TV, down a whopping 45 percent. If that's not a loss, I don't know what is. Just wait a couple of weeks, Bob. Chris is going to ramp that price back up again. He's going to be in the chat rooms. He's going to be pumping up the price, getting people excited about it. You know, that's what Chris is doing in his spare time. I know it. Well, speaking of chat rooms, I've been getting a lot of messages on my Instagram page about people like wanting to sell me on these different Forex and cryptocurrency trading platforms, telling me that if I don't get on and I'm missing the boat, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like they've already missed the boat. Well, no, they didn't. They're in the boat, Chris, and it's sinking. They just, uh, you know, hit an iceberg and they just didn't know it. What's interesting, if you look at it historically here, and interest rates start to go up, and that's what we're starting to see, right? Last year, the big conundrum was, we've got all this inflation, but we're barely seeing interest rates move. And now we're seeing the opposite, right? Right into the beginning of the year here, we've already seen interest rates hit 1.8% as we're recording this. I mean, that's up 33% in two weeks. That's a huge jump. But if you look at rising interest rates historically, stocks tend to do very, very well. Like the last 10 periods, we had rising interest rates. Well, stocks averaged about 12% over that 12-month period. Because usually when interest rates are rising, it's not necessarily a negative. It means the economy is actually growing. Dad, didn't you uh, start buying a lot of gold and crypto to hedge against inflation? Were you telling us that we should do that? Well, since gold or crypto don't hedge against anything, I'm not really sure. I think they hedge against creating wealth. I think that's their sole purpose in life. But yeah, when you look at What's happening in the financial markets right now, dividend yields actually went up last year, especially in the non-US markets. I mean, I've been busy for the last couple of weeks just putting all the money that just came in at the end of the year in our quarterly dividend pay, especially from international stocks. And when you look at some individual international stocks, companies like Royal Dutch Shell yields almost 4%, AstraZeneca, big pharmaceutical, 2.4%, Unilever, right? It's like the Procter & Gamble of Europe, 3.8%, Toyota, which is the largest car dealer in the world, right? They manufacture more cars than any other car company has a 3.5% dividend yield. You know, you're getting 1.8% of 10-year treasury. You can almost double it by investing in stocks. Well, that's it. Those dividends are so key. And there's another similarity, Bob, about all those stocks. They're boring, old-school companies. And that's the thing about international stocks, right? They're laden with more of these boring, old-school-type companies, less technology companies, which is one of the reasons why the US outperformed the last couple of years is because our indexes are so much more technology-centric. And the other part you have to think about, too, is the dollar is actually starting to go down. And when this dollar goes down, you're always saying, well, how do you hedge yourself against the dollar? Well, when you own international assets or international stocks, they actually go up when the dollar goes down because they're priced in different currencies. And that's a great currency hedge is to have international stocks because the dollar now is actually starting to weaken. If you guys remember, it wasn't so long ago that Warren Buffett was trading out of his Apple stock and buying those big Japanese industrials. So... You know, it just goes to show you that you know the world's greatest investor is doing those kinds of things. Well, he is, but he still owns his uh, Apple stock. I think he made like $12 billion last month. But nonetheless, you can't beat the Oracle of Omaha when it comes to investing. But you know, I've been getting lots of calls on the same thing. You know, like, why don't we just put everything in large cap growth stocks? You know, because that's where the technology return came. But and you're right, Rye. You know, the US markets have dominated for the last 10 years because technology's dominated. 
And, you know, I have these conversations. I know you guys are having these conversations with their clients. Like, why don't we eliminate some of the other things? And I said, like, what? Like, should we get rid of our REITs that only went up 40% last year? Or how about our pipelines? They only went up 39%. Should we get rid of those? Oh, no, no, we should keep those. Yeah, let's keep the stuff that's going up. How about everything's going up? You want to keep it in your portfolio. But most people who are not clients of ours don't own it. All they own is the S&P 500. They're limited to like 500 stocks. Well, and it gets more risky because now if you look at the S&P 500, it's so concentrated in those top 10 holdings, you know, counts for something like 33% of the entire index, right? So we've talked about this last year a lot too, but you're not really getting diversification over 500 stocks because if 33% is concentrated in 10 stocks, which happen to almost all be tech stocks, well, you know, not only are you undiversifying the amount of companies that you have exposure to, but it's all in tech. And as we know with markets, you know, we all tend human nature we look at what did the best, and that's where we want to put our money. But we know with markets, things change. They change often. So because technology was hot the last 10 years, doesn't mean it'll be hot the next 10 years. That's why you want to spread your money out. Because like, to your point, Bob, like who would have guessed? Real estate investment trusts were the best investment last year. It wasn't technology. And who would have guessed that at the beginning of the pandemic? Well, here's the thing you just have to remember. Back in 1982, when we had this high inflation rate, inflation started to go up. And we had a beginning uh, of one of the greatest bull markets in history, the S&P and the Dow. Let's say the Dow was at 800. The Dow's now closing in on 36,000. Just keep that in mind. Things looked really dire in 1982. And if you sat on the sidelines, you missed out on one heck of a move. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, at our firm, Pain Capital Management, we have one mantra that we've used for years, and that's simplicity over complexity. And we know we're in an industry where Wall Street specifically loves to sell products that are very complicated, financial strategies that are very high in fees that no one ever really understands, and they end up not working out that well. So I thought we could discuss some of the more underrated, simple philosophies that we apply when it comes to your wealth plan that our listeners can use with their wealth plan. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. The number one thing, the number one rule we have with every portfolio, whether it's a 401k or an IRA, a joint account, an individual account, a SEP, you name it, we want every single investment in that portfolio to be liquid. I mean, really liquid in that you can call me any day and I can have all of your money in your checking account the next day. That's amazing. This is the most liquid we've ever had the financial markets in the history of the financial markets. And you know what Wall Street does? They illiquify your portfolio because they want to charge you more fees. It's horrible. Yeah, you can own an annuity and have your money tied up for six to 10 years. You know, the problem isn't when things are going up, right? Right now, the economy's rocking, markets are rocking, money's coming into the markets, and it's a very, very exciting time. And this isn't when you have to be concerned, but it's when the tide goes out, like the old Warren Buffett quote, you can see who's been swimming naked. It's when things go bad and we go into that bear market and everything's sold off. That's when you want to have those liquid assets. So you have to be really careful right now with what you own because a lot of these hedge fund strategies, they lock your money up. We know these private REITs that give you like a guaranteed like 8% income stream, like a lot of these very sexy brokerage products. What you find out is, well, you can never get to your principal again or it's very hard to. So I think one of the things you really get to evaluate with your portfolio is what's my access to liquidity? And it's not about right now, it's about those emergency times when you really need to get to your money. Well, you know, I always say, Rye, if it's illiquid, it's inappropriate. And, you know, knowing what you own is just as important as being able to get to your money. Well, it's a lot of things, guys. It's the little things that make the difference. I think make a big difference for what we do for our clients. For example, if we have a client who has money in various 
types of accounts. You know, some are qualified, some are non-qualified. In other words, some are in retirement accounts, some are in your personal accounts. Well, when you have an emergency, you want to have an investment that's going to be not just highly liquid, but most likely very stable. So we'll put your municipal bond portfolio in your personal account. So if you have an emergency, that's money you can access either by selling the bonds and because when you buy the highest quality bonds, be able to borrow against it. It's amazing to me when I look at these portfolios. The other day we spoke to a new client. They had his wife's retirement account 100% in bonds. You can have growth in the bond portfolio. Put the bonds in your individual account where you can get the money if you need it and it's liquid and do it in a way that's tax advantageous. It's incredible how little thought goes into some of these strategies that we see from our competition. Well, I think the key is, like what we just said before, is you got to put your portfolio under stress test. It's not about when things are good. What you always have to think about, this is something we think about all the time, is when things go bad, because they will, they always do, is am I set up to weather the storm? And I think that's the question that a lot of us have to ask ourselves right now, because when the getting is good, it's hard to see what those pitfalls are. You know, the other thing to think about too is especially when in that retirement red zone, right? You're getting close to retirement or maybe retired now is how much predictability can you create into your portfolio? And as you and I know, guys, markets every year are not predictable. Whether they're going to go up or down, my crystal ball broke like 20 years ago when I got in the business. Yeah, but you know what is predictable is the interest paid on your bond portfolio, the dividends that are generated by your stock portfolio. You accrue return every single day. And you know the way we try to structure our portfolios is that close to half of the return that we expect comes from that repeatable dividend and interest payment. So there is some predictability. What we do know is that there will be volatility. We do know people would be emotional. And when push comes to shove, we know investors will panic. So we got to be smarter about it and have a process that helps you to overcome those emotions and take advantage of it. Well, I mean, what's more predictable than the price of Bitcoin? Just kidding. All right. No more Bitcoin jokes today. But that's right. So it is key that you think about ways that you can structure portfolios. So think about that. If you know that half your return every year, you know you're going to get in dividends and interest, just like you get your pension every year, or your social security, that adds so much certainty into your financial plan. And that's the thing, wherever you can build certainty in, you want to do it because we know there's so many unknown variables out there that you've got to really lock in everything that you can control. Well, I think the biggest category, and I think this is the most important thing that we do and all advisors should do is make it easy to understand, right? I mean, I, I hate it when I go to a lawyer's office and they speak for about an hour, right? They say in a paragraph, which can be said in one word, because they get paid by the word, right? You would think Wall Street gets paid by more complexity. It's simple. You know, investing is common sense. We want our clients to understand exactly what they own and know exactly why they own it. Well, that's a great point. I mean, that's a philosophy we've always used. If I don't understand it, I don't invest in it, right? And I think about this, you know, back around 2006, 2007, I had all these hedge fund wholesalers come into my office pitching these really exotic strategies about how they were somehow hedging out interest rate risk with these derivatives. And they were, it was just sounded like rocket science. I was like, man, oh man, like, look, I'm a simple financial advisor here. And I couldn't understand any of these strategies. There was, even the wholesalers selling me these strategies didn't understand what they were talking about. So you know, when that's the case, don't feel bad. Don't feel like, well, maybe I'm just not sophisticated enough. It probably means you probably shouldn't be in that investment because we know all those hedge funds blew up. By 2008, a lot of them were so leveraged, a lot of them almost went to zero. Well, here's the thing, guys. If you have a portfolio and there's anything in your portfolio you can't explain to your grandson in less than 10 seconds, then you have an investment that's way too complex. And by the way, I went over our portfolio with my grandson the other day. He can't speak yet, but he kind of nodded like he understood. So I think we have a very simple strategy. 
Liam's always had a preternatural understanding of finance debt. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, guys. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. This is all we think about. And everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you saved over $750,000 and you want a more hands-on approach, you want to get a second opinion, every week we run our total financial master plan. We'll literally go through all your investments for you if you qualify. We're going to do a full savings and income plan. Make sure you're saving. Make sure you're optimizing your saving for taxes. And make sure they have an income plan so you don't run out of money when you're finally financially independent. It's a full review. There's no other firm that does this work up front. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for our free holistic total financial master plan. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, the U.S. suffered three periods of hyperinflation in the 20th century, one following each world war and then the great inflation of the 1970s. The most severe bout was from December 1916 to June 1920. The U.S. Consumer Price Index rose at an 18.5% annualized rate, way more than 7% today. Soldiers returning from the Western Front found prices 80% higher than when they left, yet wages hadn't followed suit. Well, it's amazing, guys, how markets are cyclical. They often repeat. They rhyme. They don't repeat exactly. But, you know, you go back and you see these different periods of hyperinflation. But here, think about it. Back in 1916, 1920, we also had the Spanish flu. Not that different than COVID, right? Something you never expected. You thought it was ancient history. But when you go back and just look, it was about 100 years ago. It's amazing that we had the same problems that we're working with today and dealing with today. But you know what's been consistent is the growth of financial assets and financial markets. If you stay invested, all good things happen. Bob, always the consummate optimist. Chris, Evercore ISA calculates that the U.S. M2 money supply has increased an astounding 41% over the last two years. That's more than twice the pace of monetary expansion following the financial crisis of 2008-2009 and substantially greater than the money printing of the inflationary 1970s. Well, we saw hyperinflation in the late 1970s and early 1980s, so it's no surprise that we're seeing inflation now. But you know, I got to think, guys, all that money's got to find its way back into the market because, you know, again, there is no alternative. Tina, Bob, Warner Music just bought David Bowie's songbook for a reported $250 million. It was just six years ago this month David Bowie released his 25th and final studio album, Black Star, on his 69th birthday and two days before his death. It became his first and only album to reach number one on the Billboard 200 album charts. Rest in peace, David Bowie. Well, Ryan, I know you're going to disagree with this, but you know Bruce Springsteen sold his songbook for $500 million. Does that mean Springsteen's music's twice as good as David Bowie's? It's twice as bad. It just shows you that the view of the crowd is never very good. I don't know what it is about Bruce Springsteen, but I think his music sucks. Well, like we always say, you should talk about religion and politics and polite comedy. You can add music to that when you're talking to Ryan. It's just hard because my opinions are always right, and other people just have bad opinions. What can I tell you? He doesn't lack any confidence, Chris. That's for sure. That's true. Often wrong, never in doubt. Chris, S&P 500's top 10 holdings represent nearly a third of the index's return last year, even though the fund has 508 holdings. The top 10 holdings now account for a whopping 30% of the entire index. Well, right. I'll use a boating analogy here. And what happens is when you get too much weight on one side of the boat, the boat is ripe for a capsize. 
Wow, Chris, very ominous. We'll see what happens. But I think the moral of the story is diversify. All right, gentlemen, another great show. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to speak about. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and click on that like button. Click the subscribe button. Click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of our new episodes. That's it for this week. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.